If you enjoy listening to inspirational stories from people just like us, facing the fear and doing it anyway, then you're in the right place. My name is Claire Hill and this is the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 14. I'd just like to say I'm currently sitting under a table. Because the weather is so bad. This is, I'm not being lazy. I'm just trying to figure out another way to be able to record the intros for the podcast in my office because I normally have to record them in my bedroom because of echo, echo, echo. (laughs) So I'm doing an experiment. I'm basically under my desk. I've got a cardigan over my head and I've got a cushion next to me. To be honest, I don't really know what the cushion's going to do, but maybe it will make it sound good. We'll see, won't we, guys? We'll see, you know. Um, This is the thing, though. I'm moving. It's going to crackle against the microphone, isn't it? Sorry about that if it did. Uh, I'm really up against it uh, with Christmas orders, so otherwise I would, you know, I would record it again. Jackson was poorly yesterday, so I had to take a day with him which I actually really enjoyed because it was nice to, you know, dedicate a day to my son in a way. If you, if you were a mum and, a, you know, working, sometimes those days are really cool. However, I did actually have to work, but he was so good. He just played while I worked up in my old office. So we managed it. Bless him, he's fine today. So now I'm playing catch up and trying to get a 10-hour day into seven hours um so I can't recall this again that's the long and short of it bloody boring isn't it I do apologize Uh, I've got the wonderful Josie May on this episode and she used to be a social worker as you know I used to work in education so we had a little bit um of the public sector commonality there and she's really inspiring I do I'm going to apologize to you Josie as well when you listen to this episode and to all of you how much I gush about Josie because I first was introduced to her by Emma Isaacs over on the Creative Ways podcast which is a I'm a huge fan of Emma and her podcast as you know she's been on this one and I've been on hers and I found Josie and I I watched Josie and she is I am man- manifesting, I did say to Josie, I am manifesting the big bucks to get you to get to work with you because she really is just everything she says is just gold. And she, the way she articulates through this podcast is amazing. So I really hope you enjoy it. We do talk about miscarriage as unfortunately Josie has suffered quite a few before she became an entrepreneur and worked for herself. So just be mindful that if you have experienced something similar, you might find that a little bit upsetting. Uh, But Josie's just so inspiring. Honestly, loved talking to her and loved this episode. And yeah, before I forget, please rate and review the podcast. I get so many messages about how much you all enjoy it. Again, I feel so bad saying it, but can you copy and paste and do a review on Apple, please? (laughs) Thanks. But I am opening my one-to-one coaching slots again in the new year because I've got to have a few more. I'm going to have some spaces. So if you'd like to be on the waiting list, just send me a little message on Instagram or email, anywhere really. 
you know, you just look at the show notes. You can, you know, edify me. So yeah, I'm going to get back to packing up orders and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, JC. Hi, welcome. <laughs> Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. I've, um, I was just, before we just started recording, I was gushing a little bit about you because I have, um, my first introduction to you was through Emma Isaac's podcast, The Creative Ways podcast. And as you know, we love Emma and Emma's been on this podcast now and I was on hers. So it's all like, it's lovely, but I was very inspired by your story. So the fact that you said that you'd come on is really, really wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for asking. No, you're welcome. Absolutely. Um, So for people who don't know who you are, What's your name? Where do you come from? And what do you do? <laughs> um, Josie May. I am a business coach and strategist. And I come from Manchester in England. And I work with female entrepreneurs who market their business online to support them to create more flow and more wealth in their business. Oh, wow. That's such a good line. <laughs> you just literally... <laughs> You know you do a good job because you just feel that off like that. That's amazing. I need to practice stuff like that. Amazing. So how did you get into this? Like, so business, small business coach and strategist. How did you get into that? Because that's so specific, I suppose, of, of all of the different coaches out there. Yeah, I suppose um, what I found was that, you know, a lot of a massive part of being successful in business is your mindset. However, uh, like 80% is your mindset for sure. And I do a lot of work with my clients on mindset, but without a strategy, I find that my clients feel like they're blowing in the wind. And so I am a very um, naturally masculine energy person. So I know we might talk a little bit more about this, but uh, masculine energy is like plans. It's like taking action. It's like ha- organizing things. And that's my natural go-to. I've always been an organizer, a planner, somebody that takes action. And your feminine energy is your creativity and your flow and your passions. And I really have to work at that. I've got so much better now, but I really have to work on creativity. Like obviously it comes naturally to you as you have a creative business. But for me, it's something that I really need to work on more. And what I found is when clients came to me, I attract a lot of creatives because I can organize them pretty well and I can create a strategy or support them to create a strategy. And what I found is that when businesses have a strategy, a plan, they feel safe because when you don't know what you're kind of doing next, it's, it can feel like, Oh, you're like, you're just like you're blowing in the wind, like a leaf. And so when I noticed that was part of what I do, I added it to my title. I do it for all my clients. I support them to create a strategy that feels good to them, not a strategy that doesn't feel good. That doesn't work got a few good as well wonderful so I'm sure you must come across strategies that are quite out of the box and you know individualized for those those individuals you know those individuals but you know what I mean that it's not something that would be in a book that you could follow step by step that would fit everybody's needs there's no one size fits all I don't think in terms of a strategy the thing is there are millions of different strategies and all of them work if you're aligned with them and they feel good to you What the problem is, is people see a strategy in a book or somebody tells them about a strategy and it feels a bit off, but they do it anyway because somebody else has made a million doing that or somebody else has got to 10K Mm. months doing that. They do it, but it will never work unless it feels like, yes, this feels so good to me. It might be stretching you a little bit, but it's got to feel good. So the biggest part of the work that I do with my clients is find out how they want to work, what feels good to them, 
uh, how they want to sell, how they want to integrate with their audience and then build a strategy that stretches them. I'm all about stretch and being brave, but that feels in alignment. It feels like, yes, this is the kind of business I want to have. So that's really mm, important. Amazing. So how, what's your business love story? Where did it all begin? <laughs> so it all began, I started off as a love coach. Wow. So, I didn't know that. I know. <laughs> Did you not know that? Okay. So basically I did my coaching qualification and when I was doing my coaching qualification, one of the things they said is to niche down. And I know you love niche. Yes, I do. (laughs) And they were like, I just wanted to be a life coach. I wanted to help everybody, but they were like niche down. Like, where have you transformed your life? And for me, it was love. I'd struggled with dating. I'd been in relationships that weren't great for me. And when when my eldest son, me and his dad split up, I decided to put some work in and I did a lot of self-development, a lot of self-love stuff. And I went out there dating from a different mindset. I went out there with boundaries, with confidence, not needing a man, but desiring one. And I quickly met my husband and a lot of my friends used to come to me for advice about love and because I'd completely shifted my experience of it. And so I loved talking about it. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be a love coach. And so I did that for... Uh, two years I still have a couple of love coaching clients but I don't advertise it it's just referral only so client my old clients have gone on to have babies get married get engaged like I've had a lot of amazing um, success with the love coaching however um, it's very emotive it's Mm. very emotional work because you're dealing with you know a lot of love sometimes feelings of rejection and I am a sensitive soul and I take on other people's emotions and I was getting to the point where I was finding myself worrying about people oh, <laughs> no I don't yeah. know how I did so child protection social work <laughs> we can talk about that in a minute but um and so I, I was um attracting clients that were entrepreneurs and because my coaching business was going well they were also asking for support around the business because as you know with coaching somebody comes to you for one thing and you end up supporting them with everything because you know your business can't go well if you're having relationship difficulties or you can't find a relationship if your business is really struggling for example yeah and so um I found that I was helping um a few a few clients with business things which I was really enjoying it was like my zone of genius because I'm so good at creating plans come so easy to me was really helping and their business started to boom and then I got a contract with um I got an email from the coaching company that I did my training with and they were looking for coaches for their team and I'd had a really good experience learning from them and they were looking for business coaches and I applied really thinking that I wouldn't get it and after like a round of like three interviews I got the position so I was still working for myself but I got a contract with them so I still had my own business but I got a contract with them And I solely worked with them for like 18 months. And it was amazing because I got to work with over 150 women Mm. from women starting out the business right at the beginning, all the way to women making seven figures a year. I got to work coach on the spectrum with all of them. And my coaching came on a million times. I learned so much. I learned from this multi-million dollar a year company that I was working for. But I also learned what wasn't in alignment with me. And I kind of created my own system as I was working with all these women that felt good in an alignment with me. So that's how I came up with my map, my maps method, which is the method that I use in my coaching. 
um, and from working with all those women. And then I um, went out, out on my own again, fully on my own again in July last year and have been doing my own thing since. I'm, I'm better doing my own thing. I like to make my own decisions and choose to do things like <laughs> way. Yeah, it's pretty freeing, isn't it? And obviously, um, another similarity we have is the fact that I think the biggest is where we used to work and the life that we used to have working for the public sector. So I was in education and one of the roles I did was safeguarding um, and you were a social worker. (laughs) I was, yeah. So um, I was in child protection social work when I left. So I'd started out in youth offending done leaving care, worked in different departments and ended up um, in child protection social work. And I was a service manager. I'd worked my way up to a high position. I've always been ambitious. I've always worked hard and I've always cared. Um, you know, you, you don't go into social work unless you want to make a difference in the world. And it's the same with education. Like we do it because we want to make a difference. And also because I was taught to get a job that was, you know, my mum's in education I was taught to get a job almost for life, you know, where you're set up, you've got security. Um, but it's an illusion because, you know, every promotion that I got, I probably got like a two grand pay rise or something and probably did an extra 10 hours a week. And so mm. my hourly rate would go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? and by the time, you know, I left... Um, social work I was in a I was a it was like four four years ago now I was a service manager I was earning like 45,000 a year and I was working 60 hours a week and I was exhausted Mm. and it's an important role but I don't think that our bodies I don't think our energy systems are made to take on so much trauma because when you hear about stories you're working with a family you, you take on part of that trauma. Hmm. And when you hold it all within your body, it, you know, I just don't think we're made for that. It, it, it messes with your insides. Hmm. And, and I, I particularly know that because um, I got married in 2015 and we started trying for a baby straight away. And um, in two years, I had four miscarriages. Oh, that's, back to back. Oh, that's terrible. Um, and, you know, when I look back, I have so much compassion for that version of me. And no wonder my body at that point couldn't couldn't hold on to a baby. I, my, my stress levels were too high. I was, my nervous system must have been so, to, you know, just to keep going, just to mm. keep going, like miscarry, keep going in work the next day. And um, we went for tests because I was assuming it was my age at the time. I was 35 to 37 when this mm. happened. And I was thinking, is it my age? Which is ridiculous, but that's what I thought. And um, we went for tests and the, con- the doctor, the consultant said, there's absolutely no reason why you can't conceive another child or you can't go on to have a give birth to another child. And uh, my husband said, could it be stress related? And she said, never underestimate the impact of stress on your body. And at that point, I'd already started my coaching business. I was doing it on the side. And my husband said, leave your job, just leave your job. And it was like, he, it was like almost like, which is crazy because I'm such an independent woman. It was almost like I had permission. Someone had given me permission. Mm. And so I handed my notice in, I had three months notice and I left my job on the Friday. And on the Monday, I found out I was pregnant 
and my son Wilf is now three and a half. <laughs> oh, oh, that's giving me all goose pimples. I probably wouldn't have left my job if that or something of that, something as powerful as that hadn't happened to me because I needed to get away. And this was like proof to me, like you have to get away. And I think, you know, sometimes in life, terrible things happen. Um, and I really do believe that everything's happening for us, not to us. And there's always, it can be difficult to see sometimes, but I see now that those miscarriages were needed for me to take action. Otherwise I'd still be in social work. I'd still be there mm. because I, I needed security. It was like I needed security, but by having the miscarriages, the security was being taken away from me. And so that was like a big step for me to actually go out and do business on my own. And the thing is, once you start a business and you take that big step of just going up, going for it, your bravery muscle increases. It's like, mm. now I'm super brave. I can, I'm like, it's one of the things that I do with my clients is like help you to take big, brave action because the more you do it, the better you get at it. And in, and in order to be successful in business, you've got to be brave, like really brave. Mm, yeah, really brave. <laughs> it's one of those things. I mean, I know it's, it's on a smaller scale, but um, you spoke about on your stories about when you're doing reels because you were like, I don't do, like doing reels. And I mean, this is obviously in business world, this is bottom of the list of bravery things, but that's how people can start off by practicing. Oh, visibility. Is- yeah. Probably that was one of the hardest things for me was visibility and mm. reels is all about visibility isn't it it's like what people will think and I think especially for businesses like ours where all our marketing is social media yeah like that's where we find our clients and customers then we have to be visible and being visible visible being visible <laughs> requires being vulnerable yeah because people are going to judge you yeah and I'm a people pleaser and so that was big for me. Like, what if people don't like me? And, you know, I've learned over time to accept it more that not everyone's going to like me. And I, and I always think not everyone likes Beyonce. And if not everyone likes Beyonce, <laughs> I'm cool with not everyone liking me. That is, you know. that is such a good actually perfectly said because it's so true. And yeah. yes, if yeah, exactly. There's nothing else to say. Crazy enough to not like Beyonce, then I'm, you know, I can I can handle them not liking me. <laughs> Just that. put myself in a box with Beyonce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Feel. I, <good. laughs> I love that. So I mean, when I I went into there's people that listen to to this podcast that actually are you know they either work for the education or work for public sector or working in another corporate job, and I think it's obviously really scary to leave that kind of, you know, this, I, I felt secure because I had a salary, but that was in the only way that I felt secure. I didn't feel secure in my ability to even be an assistant head, even though, and it's the same as you, I've been promoted, promoted um, quite quickly. And I didn't, I still didn't feel valued. I still didn't feel like every hour I was putting in was recognized or was getting me many anywhere because actually a promotion's not getting you anywhere in terms of how you feel of your self-worth a lot of the time isn't it because you're you're going back to yourself yeah meeting our promotions meet our need of our ambition and doing the best we can but what I found and particularly I see in the public sector is that the expectations on you 
rate rise as you so like you become assistant head then they expect you to work out of hours they expect you to work into the evening you know they expect you to get that report done even though you're giving it at five and it needs to be in at nine Mm. yeah in my contract it said there were no set hours for assistant head teachers so we didn't there was no expected this is when you finish like in a teacher contract that it says on there you will be expected to hours as, uh, to work the hours that is expected of that role. That's it. Just words. No, no hours. Yeah. And that just shows like how, and you know, um, I, it's a very difficult situation for the um, people that in leadership in the public sector, because there isn't enough funding. There's not enough teachers. There's not enough social workers. There's not enough nurses. There's not enough police officers. Like, there's not enough of anyone. And so it's very difficult for leadership and we know being in leadership there to how to manage that. Mm. However, more and more people are going to be leaving because the life, the lifestyle I have now as an entrepreneur, the money I make now as an entrepreneur is just so much better than it was when I was in a leadership position working really hard. And I worked hard, you know, like I gave because I cared and I, and, and I know you will have, and most people do in that situation. Mm. Um, and so the thing is more and more people are going to leave because there's more and more opportunities to do things for yourself now. Like the internet has opened up magic for us. In the past, it was difficult to start a business. Maybe you had to buy a shop or have a really big investment to start off with. Whereas now you can start a business with quite a small investment, really, um, as opposed to what, 30 years ago. And so we're in a very privileged time where the world is our oyster and we can make money doing what makes us feel good. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Yes, indeed. <laughs> it really is. So moving yeah. so from social work to love. So you went from straight social work straight into love coaching then. Was that how you did it? Yeah. So basically, um, I did a coaching qualification whilst I was, so I started this coaching qualification, uh, this coaching training. It was like um, coaching and business training. And I started that in the January and I left my job in the September. And so I'd started coaching from about the April time. So I started selling coaching packages from about the April time. Um, and it was a slow start, but um, I chose love coaching because it was what I knew at that point. Um, and, you know, I still love it. I still, I still enjoy supporting women to find their soulmate. <laughs> and how did you <laughs> come, when did you sit like, because obviously being in education and social work, being aware of these other careers that of, of coaching, like it's not really, no one really talks about it. So how did you sort of fall into oh. choosing that training? This is a good story. So for years, I have always been into personal development. My mum has always been into personal development. She's a lecturer at a university. She's a nurse by trade. And so very public sector, um, but she's always been into reading and personal development. And so I grew up in that environment. And um, I also always had this desire to have my own business. And I used to write lists of what business I could have, cafe, you know, like I literally, I would have lists and lists and lists. And I used to go to yoga and one of the yoga instructors there was also a life coach. And she'd said at one of the, less, um, one of the end of the lessons, if you're interested in life coaching, follow me on Instagram. And so I followed her on Instagram. And at the time, this was about five years ago, um, she was 40 pounds an hour for coaching. And um, I was like, what? 
this same woman now charges 10,000 for six months. So it just shows you. (laughs) (laughs) She's amazing. Like 40 pounds an hour was incredible. But, and so I started having a for life coaching and I was telling her, look, I want to, I want to start a business, but I'm really not sure what it is. So I knew about coaching because she was a life coach, but I really thought life coaching wasn't for me because they got paid 40 pounds an hour. And I thought the amount of time they actually do coaching, that wouldn't add up enough to cover my bills as they are now. Because you don't you don't do 40 hours a week coaching. Most people say do mm. 10 hours a week coaching. And so that would have been 400 pounds. That would have been 1600 pounds a month. That wasn't enough to cover my bills. I did all this math. This is my very masculine mm-hmm. energy head, you know, like mm. working out. And um, anyway, I'm very spiritual. I believe in the law of attraction that, you know, we can... Um, we can attract what we think about and what we believe and what we desire. And so basically I said to my coach, I'm no longer, this had been about a year of me trying to think about what business I could do. And I said to my coach, I am not going to, I'm, I'm unavailable to wait any longer. And so I'm asking the universe what my business is going to be. And so on the Friday, I was going to a law of attraction weekend. My friend was putting on this law of attraction stay over weekend. And so my other friend was coming up from London, Essex, should I say, not London, she's coming up from Essex. And we met at the train station. I said, I've told the universe. I said to the universe, you've got a week. So I I sat in my room and I said, universe, you have got a week to let me know for sure what my business is going to be. One week, it was a Friday, one week, you have until next Friday and I am going to know. And I trust you that I'll know. And that was the end of it. Anyway, I told my friend this. She was like, wow. She said, you know what? I think you'd make a good coach. And I said to her, oh, coaches don't make enough money. And she said, you're kidding, aren't you? And she worked for charity at the time. And she um, had got a corporate coach and she'd paid them £3,000. And I was like, really? £3,000 for this package? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realise some coaches, you know, had bigger packages. So that was that was the first little nudge. And then I went on this Law of Attraction weekend and my friend Jennifer said to me, um, I'm about to, she said, I'm going to start this course in January. She said, I think you'd love it. Um, but she was hosting this event at the time and she said, just write down this website. And I wrote it down in my book and she said, check it out. She said, I think you'd love it. It'd be good if we could do it together. And I was like, okay, forgot about it. And then came home on the Sunday and on the Tuesday, I had my coaching call with my incredible coach. And she said, I said, I've told the universe, the universe has got a week to let me know. And, um, she said, I think you'd make a really good coach. <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, I was so touched because she was such an incredible coach. She said, you're really personable, Josie. You care about people. You communicate really well. I think you'd make a great coach. And I said, I'm so honored that you said that to me. And I felt really, um, I, sp- I just felt really grateful, but I still didn't believe it. I was like, no, that's not it. And then... Then on the Thursday, I was going through my notes from my weekend, my law of attraction weekend. And I found this website that my friend had told me about. And I typed it in and up popped this year long business coaching training where you became a qualified coach. You learned how to grow a business from scratch and create an online presence and a brand. And it just went boof. And I was like, this is it. And it was 11,000. It was 11,000 to join the course. Wow. <laughs> I even spent that on a car before. And I was like, I ain't got 11,000. And it was 2,000 deposit and then like 1,000 a month or something. You could do it in this way. No, 2,000 deposit and then, yeah, something like 900 a month or something. 
And I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay for it? I knew it. By this point, I was like, I'm doing it. How am I going to pay for it? And then my ex got in touch with me and he said, um, he paid me maintenance every month. And he said, I've just had some cash back from my tax. He said, so I'm just going to pay you a lump sum for maintenance for a lump sum. And he said, I'll pay you 2000 He dropped the 2000 in my account that day and I signed up <laughs> for this course. Whoa. Um, <laughs> and I didn't tell my husband. He didn't speak to me for about three days because he was like, you've just made a massive 11 grand investment without telling me, even telling me you're going to do it. Um, but um, yeah, that's how it's, that's how I started coaching. That's how I, so it wasn't even kind of on my radar until it was. And how and did you, anything else. like 11, how did you feel before making that investment? Like, or no, how did you feel from before, like shitting your pants maybe to yeah, <laughs> actually totally. doing it? It, you know what? It just felt I was terrified. I was. Mm. I hadn't even like my car was probably like four grand. The only thing I'd had that I spent that much money on was the house. Mm. Like now, I'm so much better at investing because I've built that investing muscle and I know that returns on investment is worth it. But at the time, I was terrified. But I also, it felt so right because I'd asked for a sign and it was there and it was there and it was there and it was there and I was like, I have to do this and I was terrified. And I put it on a credit card. Like I literally, I put the two grand down and then the payments going forward for at least six months of it, I put on a credit card. Um, and so it was debt, you know, I built a business, but I also knew that you can't build a business with nothing without investing anything. You can't, like everyone has to invest something, but it materials, coaching, a website, you have to invest. Mm. And you know, that 11,000 that I spent has come back to me over and 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 over again. <laughs> so I, I I was terrified, but I also was willing to risk it for a biscuit. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And I think um, there's something about working in the public sector, sorry, where you obviously you're not as valued as you potentially be. How did you move into understanding your transformative value to your clients and then charging Mm. your worth of that because that is something that is not ever you just don't have any value you don't feel that value do you working in some most jobs but yeah understanding that value it's so hard and it's the biggest thing that I see for my clients now is charging their worth and um, it's particularly difficult for women because we're always taught to like grow up to be like the good girl and you know please people and when I first when I first started my coaching business um, part of my coaching qualification I had to record 100 hours of coaching and 40 of those had to be paid and um, they had to be a minimum of 50 pounds each and so basically I was, I started off charging 50 pounds an hour, um, which felt like a lot to me at the time, a lot. Um, But I had to, in order to pass my qualification, I had to do it. And so like, again, it's that action taker in me was like, I am not paying 11 grand for a course and not qualifying. A lot of the people that did that course didn't qualify because they didn't get that paid, um, those paid hours. And I was like, I'm not doing that. So I kind of straight away got out there and 
was starting to kind of sell, but it felt scary. But the great thing was part of the course I was doing was working on worth and mindset. And, you know, the truth is people value things more when they pay for it. If it comes free or it comes cheap, we value it less. When we have to like pay for something and it maybe it's a bit of a stretch for us, we value it more. Think of the things in your life that you've bought maybe that have been a stretch for you. We value them more because we had to work for them. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, free things or things that are cheap, often we don't value as much. So we're actually, you're actually doing your client, if you're in coaching, you're actually doing your client a service by charging your worth or by being a stretch for them because they show up. People that pay high amounts for coaching show up on the calls they do the homework they one um one thing that's um somebody said to me in fact it was Gina Devi who I'd done my training with said the transformation is in the transaction and that is people have a transformation just by paying you if it's a stretch for them because what they're saying is I am worthy of this I for for a service like I believe in myself i especially for coaching, when they pay you, they're saying, I believe in myself. It's not even the coach. You're saying, yeah, I believe in the coach, but more they're saying, I believe in myself. Because what we all know when it comes down to business is that you're the one, you can have the best coach in the world. You can have the best strategy in the world, but you're the one who's going to make it work or not. Hmm. And so there's a big transformation just in that transaction. Before you've even done the work, your client or customer is saying, I believe in myself. I believe I'm worthy of this. Hmm. And that's big in itself. And that is also um, very linked to money mindset. And um, there's a, you've got your Money Mavens podcast with Charlotte, yes. which is fantastic. And um, I, my favorite episode is the Money Mindset episode because, and I did message both of you about it because I went and did the money drop. And uh, so tell, tell everyone about what a money drop is, and then I'll tell you what I did. So a money drop is basically taking a note of some sort. So in the UK, like five pounds or ten pounds, or if you're um, if you're in Europe, euros or dollars or whatever, wherever you are, taking a note and basically dropping it somewhere and leaving it not and leaving it to just trust in that God, the universe, source, whatever nature will will take it to the right place. And so basically it's a way of releasing your hold on money. Like we get so stressed about money. We get so protective over it. And when you let it go, you allow the flow. And in order for the flow to come in, you've got to allow the flow to go out. And so a money drop is a way of just kind of practicing, allowing the flow of money without any connection to it. So basically you go and drop money somewhere. It can be in a park. It can be in a supermarket. It can be anywhere. And you just let it go with love. And it's a struggle. A lot of people struggle. They try and control it. They try and put it somewhere where they know somebody worthy will get it. <laughs> Who is worthy? That's a question. But, uh, you know, or, and so it's just a really great exercise. And I love hearing people's um, stories about it because you find out a bit about their money mindset when you, when they tell you. So tell me about your money drop. Claire. So <laughs> I am. Um... So listening to that, so there's a couple of things I've done from that podcast. So it's, I will put the link to it in, in the show notes because it is a really oh, fantastic. Okay. The whole podcast is brilliant, but that episode I really enjoyed um, because about, you know, feeling richer. So, you, you know, how um, there's certain things that I will do now because I'm like, that makes me feel rich. Like putting a candle on 
um, in my office. Like little things like that that don't cost much, but they make me feel really rich. Yeah. So this money drop, I was like, I'm going to do it because you and Charlotte are experts. I'm going to trust everything that you say. So I took a five rat and my son's money box because that's the only cash we had, but I put £10 back in. I'm not oh, stealing no. off of my son and I <laughs> <laughs> and then um I went and this is the thing I did control it slightly because I wanted it because we had to go to like the local shopping center and I thought what am I going to do just drop it out of my bag and then I started panicking like do I'm going to drop it in Sainsbury's or am I going to drop it in like you know in the car park or what am I going to do and then I just thought when would I have needed a smile? So I did control it. And I was like, when I was bre- really breastfeeding Jackson and needed nipple shields. <laughs> so yeah, I went. I <laughs> it's like the worst, the worst time of feeding. So I went to Boots and put it, like just dropped it around that area in Boots. And oh. um, the next, I think two days later, I had to go back uh, to go and pick something else up. And I was like checking to see if it was there. But the feeling was really strange. And it was hard to describe, but as I was doing it, I felt like all goose pimply. It was like I was doing something really massive when five pounds is not a lot. Then I was thinking, oh, if I dropped like 20, 50 pounds, like imagine how that would feel. Um, And it was, you're right. It was just like releasing the flow and just not holding on to it. Just say, and I, you know, I know that I'm giving this five pounds to whoever the universe or, you know, whoever decides Mm -hmm. to need it. But what's going to come in? You know, what opportunities are going to come in to, to, because I'm changing my mindset about it and having that, you know, I try and I talk to my husband a lot about that lack mentality and, and he's like, we can't afford it. And I'm like, no, we, we can't say that. If we want something, we will fight. The money will come to us because we're good people and we do good things with good people. I mean, he works um, in the homeless strategy team at the local authority. So for him, it's all about lack. You know, when you're working with homeless people, the, the, the comparison of, you know, what we've got. But I'm like, but look at our lives. Look how rich we are right now. And then I'll get some orders or I'll get, a you know, a coaching opportunity or I'll get this or I'll get that. So it's all like this all comes in and it's just being grateful for it it's amazing and trusting and trusting that that's going to happen and believing it's going to happen and you know it does take a shift in energy and it's like a big part of the work I do is money mindset because I have transformed my money mindset I used to be so in lack I used to be so fearful I waited for the 15th of the month so I could get paid and the money came in and all my bills were out on the 16th because I wanted to make sure it was there and you know and now having a business you've got to get used to the roller coaster of income and sometimes it's higher than others. And you just don't have that security in the same way. But I trust that my needs are met, that everything is working out perfectly. And, you know, what I, I also believe that my wealth will continue to grow. And that's what's happening. And, you know, it's very woo-woo for a lot of people. Mm. And for those people that have never even touched it before, I don't know anything about it, I really recommend a book called you are a badass at making money by Jen. My favorite. Oh my God. I love it. And have you read um, the science of being, you know, the one that she speaks about by, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm re- I've read that and I'm reading the, the science of being great now. Um, but oh, oh that nice. Jensen Chero book is absolutely brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant. And there's another one by Denise Duffield Thomas called get rich, lucky bitch. That's another yes. 
Yeah. Mm. And th- but these books are very, um, I'm reading another one by Rachel Rogers, How to Be a Millionaire. And um, yeah. she's, she's fantastic as well. I think it's just exploring. And again, we, we've spoken briefly at the beginning about the feminine and masculine energy of running a business, but it's also about money mindset and shifting how you feel about all of it. Um, and I like, again, you've taught me, you taught me on one of your uh, masterclasses about feminine and masculine energy. And it really transformed my way of thinking because I didn't realize how, ma- again, masculine, I mean, I'm, I was a trained maths teacher. So everything yeah. <laughs> that I, you know, I love a spreadsheet. I love adding up the numbers and having a plan and being quite analytical about things but it didn't actually sit with that creative part of me. But I didn't know how to move that creative part of me into a more strategic um, formation in a way. But then you you taught me about feminine and masculine energy. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think most women in, not everyone, but most women, even if you are a creative, in our society are more leaned into the masculine energy because it's what we're taught in school. It's what we're, it's kind of what society appreciates. And, but the more you lean into your feminine and feminine is creativity and trust and desire and passion and all those good stuff. The more you lean into that, the more inspired you get, the more excited you get about life, the more passionate you are about your business and everything else going on. And when you're in feminine energy, you're grateful. You're grateful for the abundance in your life, not just money, the abundance in your health, and your friendships and all the other areas of life that aren't just money you start to appreciate the abundance that is everywhere the wealth that you have in every area and the more you start to appreciate that and value it the more you see more come in like what we focus on expands so focus on the good stuff Mm, yeah it works and I know like you say for some people it's really weird but then Every person that I've told about it, or if I said, just read this book or, you know, reframing their their language, their vocabulary, um, you know, I've tried even complaint diets, just being like, this is really, you know, just try not to complain at all. It makes me feel so good as soon as I feel really good. because a lot of people who watch my stories say, I don't know where you get your energy from. And that is what I do. I just work on it every single day to feel grateful and watch my vocabulary reframe what I'm saying but then my business grows as a result and then as a result I feel happier and my family's happier I get to work less because you know of it growing and it's yeah it's just really wonderful (laughs) it's amazing and I think um you know the 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 more we focus on the good stuff, the better we feel. And the other thing is to remember that this isn't something you just do a couple of times and everything changes. It's a lifelong journey. So like self-development, positive thinking, it's lifelong. Like we'll never we'll never stop it because as soon as we do, our outlook will change. So I think sometimes people want a quick fix. And I just kind of want to remind people this, the life is the journey. It's not the destination. Life is the journey. So enjoy the journey. We're so focused on our goals sometimes that we forget to enjoy the actual ride there. And so the more you can be positive and look on the bright side and, you know, stop the complaining and all that, the better you're going to feel. So yeah. I read something this morning as well about how everything is perfect right now, but it's just not complete. And I think how Mm. wonderful if we really look at ourselves and say, I'm perfect right now on this day. I'm just not complete yet. I'm not finished because 
then you are always like you say always developing and, and it's the journey amazing um I ask yeah. everybody who comes on the podcast what they would tell themselves if they could 10 years ago that they know now but they wish they'd known then what would yours be Ooh, 10 years that's a good one that everything is working out perfectly everything's working out perfectly you're exactly where you're meant to be and life is fabulous oh that's good yeah amazing thank you so much Josie this has been absolutely wonderful to have you and um yeah I love talking about all of these things I just had a big smile on my face the whole time because I absolutely adore it and I think it's still such a all of these topics are still so new that there needs to be more um podcast episodes and stuff out there even now um where can people find you so you can find me, my main hangout is on Instagram. And so I'm underscore Josie underscore May. And I also have a podcast called The Money Mavens that I do with Charlotte Balbier, my friend. And my website is josie-may.com. Amazing. Thank you, Josie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the No Rest for the Vulu podcast. Written, produced and hosted by Claire Hill and music has been composed by my brother, Phil Vidler.